Well, greetings and God bless everyone out there who's listening. Uh, this is Pastor Rick from A Voice in the Distance Ministries, venturing into Ephesians chapter 4 today. Very special chapter to me in, in the beginning of what we're going to be looking at in the forms of, of walking in unity. And last week uh, we did the um, Ephesians chapter 3 in the, the, uh, the aspects of revealed mysteries. And, you know, it's kind of funny how Paul puts that right in the middle of the book. We, you know, this book is about a six-chapter book, and chapter three is, is revealing some mysteries. So, you know, Paul's formatting of this book is really quite something. And, uh, again, we're looking at, uh, we're looking at a solid doctrine, we're looking at a solid application. And so, now that the, uh, I mentioned in the very beginning of the book that, this particular letter, as well as the majority of Paul's other letters, like Romans and other ones as well, Paul always starts with doctrinal first, and then he, and then halfway through the book, it typically uh, merges into life application. And now we're getting into that life application. Now that he's covered the doctrinal statements first, now it's time to venture in, into uh, pertaining to us and how we are with, with one another and with ourselves, with the Lord. And so unity is the, is the key of today, uh, of today's reading and so on and so forth. So it's, it's something, you know, as I was thinking on on certain aspects of unity, because just recently in the, uh, the church that I attend... Um, I had I had actually preached on a couple of occasions in regards to this uh, to this uh, subject of unity and the importance of it, and I think of people you know that that are uh, mechanically inclined uh, mechanically inclined to fix cars, and, and it's it's interesting how they can uh, some mechanics can diagnose things just by listening and seeing something in the, uh, within the car. Others have to hook up a particular instrument in order to find out exactly what it is. But a good mechanic typically is able to determine what's the problem here. It's kind of like a doctor sometimes, right? But uh, nothing wrong with having um, with having some help. And the Holy Spirit gives us that ability to plug into something to see what is wrong outside of what we can see. And though I look at cars, I look at mechanics and how people fix things, and the the true metaphor here between a car and a church is is that a car a car can only go so far. But you know, a church that's a whole other that's a whole other thing because we're we're comparing a machine compared to a living organism, and so we want to make sure that. As many people are are very uh, uh, concerned about their car and taking care of their car, that they're more concerned about taking care of their lives in the church as well, because the car, the car will not last. But the church is supposed to. And unfortunately, there's some people out there that have had their cars longer than the church has been in existence. And so, all Christians are are members of the same body, right? Everybody needs to be cared for. But, you know, again, we need to, we need to look at ourselves in, in a sense of like, uh, if something's breaking down, you know, sometimes, sometimes a, a part needs to be repaired in, in the engine, if you will, or somewhere in, somewhere under the hood. <laughs> and so, as each part does its own work in unity, the, you know, so must the, the rest of the body, because the church will do something that a Ford or a Chevy can never do. 
Okay, it could do something that a that a Ferrari or a Porsche could never do. It'll grow. Okay, it'll a car will go, but not sometimes it will not. <laughs> and, but a church will go and grow, or it can grow and go and grow. But the the question is, is will it? And are we utilizing? Are we utilizing the right tools, if you will, to help that church go and grow? And Ephesians, again, Paul's writings in this book, as, as, as at this time he was a veteran follower of Christ. He had been walking with the Lord for some time. So we're seeing such, again, we're seeing veteran teaching here at, at, at this uh, time of his life as he's writing this. And every good parent, every good father, every good mother wants to see their family unified. And there's no better parent than that of our Lord and Savior. Who Christ himself, as I've said before, will continue to say, you know, Christ himself is the head. He is the unity. Man, we cannot create unity. The Lord already created unity. We are called to maintain the unity. And by that, we must walk in it. So let us go ahead and venture in now and take a look here at what, it's, what is being said. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bible, I'm going to be starting off in verse 1 through 2, which says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. So many times I've mentioned that of walking. You know, when we walk somewhere, it means we're going somewhere. Uh, when we walk with someone, we walk somewhere with someone. With them, we walk with them in life. We walk with Christ or, or with the world. It, it, it just seems that uh, it's one of the two. In life, we walk with Christ or we walk with the world. And walking worthy in soberness and a clear conscience is a question to ask ourselves. Because uh, I, I remember someone, um, I remember seeing someone being pulled over by an officer. And from time to time, they would get a what's called a field sobriety test to see if they could walk a straight line. Because it indicated if, if soberness was intact or, or if they were intoxicated. And if they, if they were a danger to themselves and innocent people. There was a police officer seeing some sort of suspicious activity in their driving. And we were called to be uh, long-suffering, though. Why? Because God is long-suffering to us. If we had the love and patience of God, we, we wouldn't be living in the conditions we do. When God finally deals with things, it was in His good timing. And I, I always kind of chuckle inside when I hear people talk about the wrath of God and, and, and how he, they cannot follow God because of his wrath. But yet, yet those people who say that about God have some of the quickest and most horrible tempers I've ever seen. And, and, and yet they, they say this with the demeanor as if they're being more merciful than God himself. Uh, Ephesians is one of the deepest waters in the New Testament, right there next to Romans, Hebrews, and Revelations. Those are those are other books that are we consider pretty deep waters in in the uh, form of the New Testament, because God is calling us to a higher standard of love, unity, and holiness. Right? He says, "Bear with one another." Paul says, "He bears with us better than we do with one another." We know that not every person is going to follow this. But 
we should if we follow because if we followed this we would no longer see divisions in the church there'd be no more divorces family splits between siblings and life and all around would be better because pride is such a dangerous thing it brings us into what I call the trinity of darkness which is known as me myself and I and the devil is the founder of such a thing if someone is constantly having to find new relationships all the time it is due to not being able to follow this verse. And even those who are peacemakers that make every attempt to keep the unity, may, may, may God bless you. Because the greatest presence one can have is the right presence in your life. But the greatest downfall in one's life can, can be someone's presence if they walk in certain ways as well. I've seen this stuff before, and I'm glad now that I did, because I developed such a disgust for, for division and strife that I don't want to feel it again. I will stay clear of it like one should like with drugs. If you've experienced the uh, unity in the church, what else could you want? If you've experienced drugs, if you've, if you've experienced strife and division and, and hurt and pain, why in the world would anybody want such a thing again? So Paul's giving us somewhat of an antidote here on how to prevent that in the form of both the directive and preventative medication that, that is important for us to partake to keep ourselves in a whole demeanor. Now let's take a look here at what he says in verse 3 to 6. Uh, pay attention to this one. It says, it says in, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Now, I want to, make, I want to bring something up real quick that was interesting. In, in between verses 4 and 6, Paul makes, uh, Paul makes the word, or I mean not makes the word, he says the word one in the form of, of you know, being one. Um, in verses 4 to 6, seven times. He, he repeats the word one seven times in verse 4 to 6 in being one. When one body part is hurt, it affects the whole body. Why, you know, if you smash your if you smash your one hand, the other the other one will automatically cover the other. And see, the Lord did not come to bring divisions and and religious denominations and say, "Well, go ahead and believe what you want and do what you want." It, it was for the sake of one body. See, God is a God of multiplication, but the devil is in the division. He divides. You know, I'll explain in heaven, right, what happened in heaven. The divisions in heaven between the devil and the angels is said that that Satan, who was once known as Lucifer, the most beautiful of angels created, one of the most powerful cherubims of angels, had basically had this mindset that he was going to be like God, if you will. He knew how pretty he was, he knew how great he was, and it got to his head. Now, how that happens is the, is the question of the ages. Nobody can really explain, because people have asked before, I have asked before, how in the world can an angel in heaven in the presence of God create such a thing? That is really quite unanswerable, with the exception that God uh, has created the angels with a free will and, and, and a mindset of their own to be able to... Um, 
to worship in truth. Because we could see that what had happened was is that Satan first started this mindset. And then he took a third of heaven down with him. Now that number is unnumerable. We don't know how many that is. But a third, that's way too many. That is way too many. And I said before that we can't create unity. God created it. And so that's what happened. Satan was the originator of division. He was the originator of pride. He was the originator of all these things. It's the first time it happened up in heaven. He caused others to follow him and fall in love with him away from God. How that happens is again unquestionable, unknowable. But we also have a very important verse that we need to remember from Hebrews 13. It says, make sure to live peaceably with all men because without holiness no one will see the Lord. Jesus said that I and the Father am one. And we are called to be one in one body. If, if, okay, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, he said. Because oneness in the body is key. I, I am only a mere man, but I cannot stand division. And yet I've seen it. And, and I will say that uh, over the years I have to say to myself that I'm, I'm glad I got to experience it, I guess. And let me tell you why. I've seen it before and I've, I've, been, I've been in it. And a lot of people will say, well, that kind of stuff is normal. And I gotta say, that is, it's, it might be normal to the world, but it's not right. And it's definitely not right in God's eyes. I have developed such a dislike for it that I want to make sure that I never, that it never happens again with, in my presence, if you will. And I'll do everything, everything possible to make sure that that's maintained because I have been in the midst of unity and I have seen the destruction of division. And I gotta say, unless somebody, uh, who, unless somebody that is addicted to chaos, who loves division and, and contributes to division, well, that, that person is, is very questionable in, in, in certain things. That they, they, one would even ask, are they even truly saved? You know, and, and that has been a question for the ages because, again, that is something that is of God. God is of, uh, is of unity, not division. Satan is of division. So that is a good question. And so, one Lord, one faith, one baptism in verse 5. And I may I may have mentioned uh, this, but for about uh, seven years, I think I mentioned this before, it's been about seven years now as I'm recording this in, in 2019. Uh, in March of 2020, it'll be eight years if God allows, that I've had the blessing and privilege of teaching a, uh, a Catholic group the Bible. Uh, I was invited to teach... Um, uh, a friend of ours uh, had a uh, at one point a men's uh, a men's group that was started, uh, but then it turned into an adult group where you know men and women. And uh, I got to uh, transition into uh, teaching this Bible study, and it's been it's been seven years. It'll be eight years in March if the Lord allows that I've been able to do this with this uh, group of people that, that that's been um, that belongs to the Catholic Church. They invited me to uh, teach them the Bible, and. Um, I gotta say, it's been it's been quite a blessing. I've had I've had a wonderful time. It's been wonderful. Never had an issue. Uh, 
And, and I'm always praying that, that God is in the house every time we get together because I, I've probably taught them about half of the Bible over the years. And, and I'm a part of a church that uh, right now that seems to love one another in that unity from what I have seen. And I'm so blessed to be, to be witnessing this. If you've experienced divisions, do not embrace it. Okay, do not say it's normal, it happens. Well, maybe it is in the world, but we, we cannot have that mindset. We are called to love what the Lord loves and, and to hate what he hates. And I can tell you, he hates division and he loves unity. If you've experienced it, use it as a tool to bring people together. You can be salt and light. You can be a builder versus a demolisher. One God, one body. Large family, but again, to keep the family unity, we must follow the instruction. Uh, verse 7 through 11 here, let's take a look. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and, and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So uh, Paul explains what happened at the death of Jesus. He descended into the lower parts of the earth, um, that, which is where Hades was lo located. Hades was a separation between paradise and the place of torment located in the center of, center of the earth, a spiritual realm. Uh, Jesus spoke of Lazarus and the rich man, and I will briefly explain that uh, when Jesus spoke in the gospel about them. There was a rich man by the name of Lazarus who had died, and there was a poor man who used to uh, lay outside of his gates. He would beg for food and and uh, dogs would lick his sores. Well, both of them died right around the same time. And it just so happened that Lazarus was on the side of torment. This rich man. I'm sorry. Uh, the rich man was on the side of torment. And Lazarus was on the side of comfort. Which was, was on the side of paradise. And the rich man we never gave him he never gave a name of. So Lazarus is being comforted. He's on the side of paradise. And this rich man calls out to Abraham because it looks as if you can communicate from across a gulf, if you will. Now that right there's got to be a form of torment, to be able to be on one side of torment while you're seeing others the other side and uh live, living it up. So Lazarus calls out to Abraham and says, Abraham, can you tell Lazarus to come over here and, and, and dip some water on my tongue, draw a drop of water on my tongue, for I am in anguish here. And so <clears throat> Abraham basically told him that you had your, you know, you had your life up there. You, you had it good up there. But he didn't give his life to God. He didn't walk with God. It seems like Lazarus did, though. Even though he was in the, in the state he was in, he did walk with God. And now he is being comforted in, 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 the, in the area of paradise. And then Jesus came back three days later, in what Paul is explaining. He came back three days later and he spent 40 days with the disciples. And then he ascended into heaven right before their very eyes in the beginning of the book of Acts. 
So during that time, the equipping was taking place. Uh, some prophets, evangelists, teachers, and so on. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 gives the list of spiritual and ministry gifts. As, as those chapters are wonderful blueprints for the things of ministry. Now, apostle, as he said, uh, some are called to be apostles. Apostle means to be sent out, or like a messenger, an ambassador. But in the book of Acts, we're told that the qualifications for an apostle was that someone had to be there during his, during his life, during the life of Christ, and there to have witnessed his resurrection. But the title in itself was one who sent forth. But that was the qualifications in the book of Acts for an actual apostle. Prophets were, given, uh, were, a, were a gift of, of a visionary from God. They were referred to as seers, one who sees the visions. Uh, we have evangelists. Evangelists are the seed planters who bring people to the Lord. You know, because they, they know they're not going to see someone after they preach a message. So they, they bring as many into a relationship with Christ. And one of the greatest was the late Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists of our times. And then we have pastors and teachers are one and the same. But a, a pastor in the term is, is that of a shepherd. It, it goes beyond just teaching. Uh, pastors, they, they counsel, they guide, they care for others. They oversee the things of the church and of the flock. You know, being, being that of the congregation. And teachers are also big in the, in the church. Your, your children's teachers and even adult classes that are held. And, and many forms of teachers are in the body of Christ. But all of these things are necessary in the function of a ministry, like a body. If something gets cut off, you may be able to move and operate, but not as efficient as before. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy with the things that enemies would do back in the older days of the Bible. What they would do is if somebody was caught, they would cut off someone's thumb or their toe. Uh, why? Because if, after that, they, they were completely worthless. They, they couldn't hold a sword. They couldn't fight, nor could they run. They, they, you know, they, they're movable, but not as efficient as before, as the body was when, when it was intact. So again, unity in the body is what he speaks of. So I gave that example of what they did to people back in the day because it was it was a pretty harsh uh, harsh thing. They might not have killed them, but they basically made them worthless in the thing that they were to do. Uh, let's take a look here. We're going to finish up in verse 12 to 16. For the equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect uh, man of the measure of the, of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So equipped for the saints in the body, Paul says. It's interesting because the Greek of, of equipping means to place a bone back into place. If, if, if someone dislocates a shoulder and it gets popped back in, you're being re-equipped. So Paul speaks of stature in the body of Christ. Unified. Everything is placed where it should be in order for efficient movement. 
And like the human body, it can grow old and wither with no activity. Or we can be active in the Lord. Some grow old in the Lord when we should be growing up in the Lord. Let's look at Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua, he was made a general in the military at age at 80 years old. You know, we're, we're never too old for the Lord. <laughs> now, a lot of us might be a little old to be doing uh, uh, battling, but back in these days, uh, things were a little different, I think, physically. Joshua was a general at 80 years old in the military. With the equipping, now comes the growth. As he said, we should no longer be like children, tossed to and fro. Infants, they have no say of who picks them up and carries them somewhere. And they have no say of who feeds them and what they're fed. Paul addressed that to the Corinthian church, that you've been, you've been in existence for five years and you're still drinking milk when you should be eating solid food. And, and they were in that spiritual state of stagnancy. Now, some people can be like weather vanes. They, they blow in the direction of wherever the wind blows them by the trickery of men. And I, I'm sure I've mentioned before that I heard, uh, that I heard someone say to a speaker one time that was at a, he was at an event speaking. And he walked up to him and he says, you know, you better be right about everything you're telling me because I believe in everything you're saying. And that spoke to me. That spoke to me even. There should be fear and reverence in teaching God's word. We look at James in his epistle. He said that some of you should not presume to be teachers because you will be judged more harshly. And some people assume that it's just by, well, misteaching doctrine. And it is. That is very true. But it is also, if you're not living in accordance to the word... That's the other part. There are some wonderful speakers who can teach well, but they live a double life behind closed doors. Some of the best teachers are, are, are those who taught by example. And there was none better than our Lord Jesus Christ, who was the, who was the Word that became flesh in John chapter 1, as he stated. See, Christ calls us to grow together in truth. Right? Growing up in Him... Right, growing up in Him, I like the I like to quote Charles Spurgeon from time to time, and I'm going to do that real quick here. As he said something, uh, Charles Spurgeon says, as I quote, who said, "A church that is only united in itself, but not united to Christ, is no living church at all." Very true. I have said that there are many buildings with a cross on it. But it doesn't make it a church unless Christ is in it. Why did Paul write this? It's because the people are precious to the Lord. Therefore they're precious to him. And you are all precious to me, whoever and wherever you are. Christ wants the best for you and I. And he is the best for you and I. Some people are thankful for someone. For maybe paying off something. Uh, paying off a debt for them, putting them through school, buying them a car. And those things are wonderful. But leading someone to God, to, a, a, to secure a place in eternity in heaven with Him, is more priceless than anything, than any gift that someone can give you. And this particular gift is offered right now, free of charge, from our Lord and Savior doesn't cost you a thing. He paid for everything on the cross. He paid every price up there. 
He said that himself. He was going to go through these things and he willingly did it for you. And people might say that, well, that was 2,000 years ago. It happened when it happened and it's, and it's sufficient for today and it will be sufficient for all time. He did it back then for all. And if you feel led, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, that is Him working in you right now, which tells you right there that, hey, He's still alive and working. But don't harden your heart. Don't be afraid to to say that, I want the Lord, I want to change my life. I want to live in eternity with Him. I do believe He died for me. And I'm going to follow Him now. Because there's no greater thing that we can do. When we pass away, all the works we've ever done here on earth, you know, they, they, they might put a plaque up or a statue or something in your honor, but people are just going to walk by it eventually, not even give it a thought. But everything you do for the Lord will be remembered for eternity and will be a, a gift up in heaven for all time. So if you want that, if you want to be a partaker of him, if you want to be a partaker of, of, of his eternal gift of salvation, I want you to, to say this prayer with me in receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you feel led, please, let's say this prayer together. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask of you to cleanse me of my sins, Lord. Wash me clean of all of my sins, Lord. As I come to you, Lord, and I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart now, Lord. And that I might be with you for in all eternity when my time comes, Lord. And I pray that you will always walk with me, Lord, as I will draw near to you. And Father, I just want to say I love you, and I praise you, and I thank you for what you did, and continue to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, what a wonderful time, what a wonderful book, and what a wonderful uh, time to spend with everybody here. I pray that again, that you will be just blessed beyond measure as you continue just to... You know, just to seek Him. We're doing that together here. That's what we're doing. We're Some of you might have never heard the Bible before. Some of you might have heard the Bible for years, but it's good to always revisit. So let's continue to revisit every chapter, every verse, as we continue to grow in Him. So continue to walk in unity. If you're not walking unified with Christ, you will not walk unified with anybody. Because again... He's a he's the ultimate family uh, family man, if you will. <laughs> he's the greatest father you'll ever have. So stay close, and may we stay close to each other for him, through him, because of him. God bless you.